From the newsrooms of the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age, this is Please Explain. I'm Julia Karkatzel, filling in for Samantha Selinger-Morris. It's Friday, January 12. The Victorian government is stuck in limbo after its proposal for a wind turbine production terminal was rejected by Federal Environment Minister Tanya Plibersek. The port southeast of the state would have supplied wind turbines to offshore wind farms slated for the Bass Strait. But the minister says the development will harm globally significant wetlands. The dispute is the latest from a growing list of community and environmental group opposition to offshore wind farms along Australia's east coast. Today, climate and energy correspondent Mike Foley on how we reconcile both the development of a renewable energy grid and the preservation of Australia's critical wildlife. So, Mike, earlier this week, Federal Environment Minister Tanya Plibersek rejected a proposal from the Victorian state government to build a renewable energy terminal south of the state – Can you tell me more about that terminal and why it was blocked? Yes, I can. It's been a a doozy that's cropped up in the middle of a really slow summer news cycle and sucked a lot of media attention onto it. What's happened is for the past year or so, Victoria has set its eyes on a site in Western Port, uh, southeast of the city of Melbourne, to develop a stonking great big new pier, let's call it, um, terminal, where it wanted to take shipments of these giant, like 200 plus metre long wind turbines. They come in components on big ships from overseas, get assembled and then shipped back out into the Bass Strait, initially around Gippsland and plonked into the sea to generate electricity is the, the grand plan for Victoria's emissions reduction strategy. Riding the renewables wave, the waters off Gippsland in Victoria declared Australia's first offshore wind zone. The grid is strong, the skills are here and the opportunities are enormous. That's what Victoria saw as the keystone of their emissions reduction and climate change strategies. These kicking off with massive amounts of wind power and they need a port to kickstart the whole process. They selected this site in Western Port. This tiny strip of beach in Western Port Bay has a very different future on the horizon. Where we're standing right here is where the first offshore wind energy turbines will be built for the country. The Port of Hastings site to be Australia's first jumping off point for the new industry. However, What's happened this week is the federal government had to have a look at the environmental impact of building that port in Western Port. And that's because it's an internationally recognised wetland, unfortunately for the port proponents, um, who are a government-owned agency called Port of Hastings. Straight up, government owns this port corporation and they said in the middle of the wetland, we're going to dredge out a channel and um, foundations over about 100 hectares. It's a fairly big site in such a sensitive location. And the location is sensitive because it's the home of dozens and dozens of migratory birds that fly 12,000 kilometres each way every year from the Arctic Circle in Siberia 
down into Australia and its uh, Ramsar listed wetland for that fact. That means it's a it's the name of an international treaty through the United Nations where a bunch of nations came together to said we all commit together to protect these globally significant wetlands. <laughs> Western Port's one of them. So long way of saying that the Federal Environment Minister, Tanya Plibersek, is responsible for protecting those Ramsar wetlands and she used the strident phrase in her determination on the development application, clearly unacceptable. Mm, and I understand it's somewhere around 26 different bird species. Can you tell me more about the wetlands and what else will actually be impacted? Can you kind of walk us through yeah. what the dredging process would be? So it's 26 bird species just within Australia. There's more than 30 internationally threatened migratory birds as well that make that massive round trip uh, yearly down to Australia when winter hits in the Northern Hemisphere. We're talking about all sorts of shearwater species, curlews, fairy terns, plovers, uh, white-bellied sea eagles, and the port construction would have got big dredging machines in to dig a big channel essentially through the wetland and you can see the federal government in its statement of reasons for saying why they knocked back Victoria's development application that it would disrupt the mudflats all across the hundreds and hundreds of hectares that are comprise the entire wetland. Taking out one sliver of it really stuffs up, according to the federal government's ecologists, stuffs up the um, sediment flows and sediment flows determine where the nutrients are, how much food the birds have to feed on and support their populations and their breeding, and it was just considered way too much of a risk. Right, but Victorian Premier Jacinta Allen has said in response that the government can deliver this project successfully. What does she mean by that? Is it possible? (laughs) It's the big black box hanging over the project, Julia. We don't know. She is talking with a lot of bravado there. We're yet to see if she can stack it up (laughs) because the development application that Victoria put into the government listed no mitigation measures of how they'd ensure that the the big program of dredging that they want to do would be accounted for, how they'd sort of make up the loss or stop change in sediment flows and prevent depletion of the environmental value of the wetland. There's not been a development in a Ramsar listed wetland in Australia before. Uh, It's because it's a pretty high bar. The law is black and white. It says there is no reason for a federal government to approve a development in a Ramsar listed wetland. There is one tiny clause that we should mention. The International Treaty does cite that under some circumstances, caveat, 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 developments can be approved in a Ramsar wetland if it's of national significance. That could probably apply to the renewable port that Victoria wants to develop, but the state government didn't list that national significance criteria in their application. So there's essentially a long way of saying there is a lot of, pardon the pun, a lot of water to go under the bridge before we see Victoria demonstrate that it can put through a successful development application to the federal government. We'll be right back.
Okay, and there is a lot at stake here because the Victorian government says this project was critical to a much larger renewable energy goal for the state, specifically 95% renewable energy in the grid by 2035 and net zero emissions by 2045. Will the state be able to meet its targets without this port? That's the $64 million question. That work hasn't been done yet to identify an appropriate site. So we're about to find out. According to the Victorian government, however, that site was by far the runaway candidate for logistical reasons. It's it's a very nascent industry, so this is all untested waters. But we haven't developed in Australia a port to import wind turbines yet. But it's a huge goal that the Victorian government wants to build by 2040, nine gigawatts of offshore wind generation. I mean, those numbers sort of just sail past you, but put it, put it in context, nine gigawatts of generation capacity in offshore wind is equal to 25% of the East Coast grid's current capacity. That's huge. I mean, that, that capacity that we've got on the East Coast took decades, 40 years to build up, and they want to do in 20 years, 25% on their own, you know, in their own state waters. So I would suspect that every potential port development is going to be crucial. And in terms of meeting their targets, it, you can see the, the fear in Jacinta Allen's eyes. It's, it's panic stations right now. Yeah. And what, what's the Victorian government's next step? Are they going to appeal this decision in court or shop around for another port nearby? What's the next step here? We've heard from the federal government, interestingly, really strong encouragement for Victoria to go back and rethink the current proposal and come back with some mitigation measures to stop you know, the port damaging the wetland too much. So we'll find out how hard a task that's going to be. Anthony Albanese mentioned in a press conference that he hopes Victoria pursue the project. Well, we'll, we'll work through uh, those issues constructively uh, with the Victorian government. Uh, we need to make sure uh, that the objectives are met uh, to provide for Victoria's energy needs uh, whilst making sure uh, that the environment is also uh, subject to appropriate protections, and I'm sure that... The Federal Energy Minister, Chris Bowen, said similar things. Uh, the Victorian Government has indicated they will consider further applications for Port of Hastings, which we welcome, uh, and indeed state and federal officials have already uh, met to consider the next stage and, and discussed potential next steps. But every... We haven't heard from the Environment Minister, Tanya Plibersek, the one who knocked back the project because she's on leave, but there is recognition from the Albanese government of how critical Victoria's contribution to renewable energy development will be. You know, let's not forget that the Albanese government set some fairly ambitious goals for renewable energy. They want to more than double the share of renewables in the energy grid by 2030. And Victoria is really going to be doing some heavy lifting with its promotion of offshore wind. So they're really hoping that Victoria can help them out on that front. Yeah, and just looking at the bigger picture here, the Albanese Labor government came into power with a carbon emissions reduction target of 43% by 2030. Part of its strategy was to set aside six offshore wind farms. But since that announcement in 2022, community groups have protested offshore farms, 
citing risks to wildlife, the fishing industry, even our coastal beauty, and in this case, critical wetlands. So, Mike, how can we reconcile the two, the development of a renewable energy grid whilst preserving everything else? Yeah, that's a great question. We we do have an answer to that and we can reconcile that through painstaking political process. We've seen the development of onshore renewables, wind farms and solar farms in New South Wales, in Victoria and Queensland, all across the country are typically met with community opposition from some in neighbouring communities who don't like the thought of something being built or having to look at new infrastructure. We're seeing exactly the same thing play out with offshore wind. The federal government has announced five zones spread between South Australia, Tassie, Victoria and New South Wales. And even though most of those wind farms are unlikely to be highly visible from the coast, community groups are rallying together to oppose those wind farms. We have to stress it is not by any measure everyone in those communities. I think it is fair to call them vocal and exercised minority groups within those communities, but they're loud and they're angry. And as you mentioned, the federal opposition has seized on that community anger to bash the Albanese government's renewables push The way to end that conversation, though, is to point out the political urgency, Julia, of the whole thing, where, as you touched on, state and federal governments have pressing targets that they've legislated for themselves to A, cut emissions, and B, boost renewable energy. It's a huge balancing act, and you've written just recently that Victorian Environment Minister Lily D'Ambrosio has criticised the federal government for a lack of national coordination when it comes to offshore wind farms So do you believe there's a disconnect here? I I suspect that the disconnect will be a bigger problem between the Labor governments around the country and state and federal and the opposition, the LNP in Queensland and the, the coalition around the rest of the country. They're really butting heads over this. So in the summer break, a collection of senior federal, liberal and national MPs have taken the opportunity to promote their opinion that Australia should not set a 2035 climate target. Australia, under the Paris Agreement, which just about every country around the world has signed up to, especially all the developed nations have, the Paris Agreement requires each country to set increasingly ambitious goals for emissions reduction every five years. We've got a 2030 national target locked in and in place. We said that was 43% cut in greenhouse emissions by 2030, the Albanese government, to remain in the Paris Agreement, has to set a 2035 target. The federal opposition, however, um, many of their, not Peter Dutton, but many of their senior MPs have said, nah, let's not set a 2035 target because climate action is too much of an impost on the cost of living. So that would mean Australia is effectively in breach of its commitment to the Paris Agreement. That won't please everyone within the opposition. They'd see that as too much of a risk to some of their uh, especially urban electorates that they want to target in the upcoming federal election. The Albanese government will likely seize on that and paint the opposition as climate change deniers, or at least attempt to, and 
The opposition, of course, will fire back with their criticisms of the Albanese government's plan to boost renewable energy and the cost that they claim that will add to electricity bills through that investment that we mentioned in in new electricity infrastructure, poles and wires and so on. So that's the shape of the new climate wars, unfortunately, and that's going to play out for the next 24 months. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Mike. Thanks, Julia. Today's episode of Please Explain was produced by Chi Wong. Our executive producer is Ruby Schwartz. Please Explain is a production of The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald. If you enjoy the show and want more of our journalism, subscribe to our newspapers today. It's the best way to support what we do. Search theageorsmh.com.au forward slash subscribe. I'm Julia Karkatzel. This is Please Explain. Thanks for listening.